Welcome to the Fresh Start Church Podcast, where we exist to influence a nation with revival. Here you'll find preached messages from our pastors. We pray that the spirit of revival is imparted to you as you listen. To watch live, check us out on YouTube or visit our website at freshstartaz.com. And to stay connected with us, be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook. I believe my assignment today is this, is to help to open our eyes just a little bit more to understanding what God is doing is what I'm gonna refer to as this era of time that we're in. Pastor Kim has referenced it in a way, calling it a window of time. And then even in our deeper classes, we're, we're going through a book right now by Apostle Tim Sheets called The New Era of Glory. And I believe they're all speaking to the same thing for the most part. So I'm not talking, God, church, about a new day or a new season, I'm speaking into a new era. The reason I'm saying that word is because here's what era, era means a period of history. It's a chunk of time in history that is significant. We're in a new era right now where I believe God, oh, God in heaven. God is about to release, and I listen, I know we keep hearing about to. Here's where I'm going with this, and I'll kind of give you the end right now, part of it, but let me just say this. We keep referring to it that way because we've not seen the full manifestation of it yet. Amen. I believe that we are in it, yes, but I believe we've not seen the full fulfillment of that yet. So we've gotta keep pressing and pushing. We have to keep decreeing and declaring and be thankful for what God is doing now, but also decree what is going to come. Amen. Can we just say amen this morning? I truly believe that Fresh Start we're entering into, if not already in, the greatest days of the church, the ecclesia in all of church history. The church is rising up not to boast of herself, but to boast of the presence, the glory, and the power of God. Say yes, say amen. She's rising up in boldness to declare the glorious works of the Lord once again. Oh God, yes. The ecclesia is rising in her authority to govern and to legislate Ah, church, to bind and loose, to shut doors and open doors. Come on, help me this morning. To permit and not to permit, and yes, to overturn decrees of the enemy. Come on. She's taking a stand once again for righteousness and holiness, and she'll shift culture and government, and yes, I even speak over the entertainment industry. Come on, somebody shout this morning. She's posturing herself to usher in the greatest revival and awakening that this earth has ever known. This will be a moment in history, church, when the church will be in unity like never before. No more of this competition and whatever, whatever, and we're awesome and you're not, and we know everything and you don't, and our stream is the best and yours is not. Stupid and ridiculous, that's dumb. The kingdom of God is being established in the earth and it's gonna take a people in unity. Partnering with Jesus, the Holy Spirit, partnering in worship and prayer, partnering in warfare worship, partnering in intercession, partnering together, partnering with King Jesus, standing with him, ha, ah, to see the promise fulfilled in the earth. Someone say yes. Y'all yes. can be seated this morning. Worship team, you can go. Thank you, guys. Great revivals and awakenings and reformations from times past oh, 
They've been absolutely amazing and life-altering. But I believe that there has never been a period of time in church history like the age that we're in now. Can we say amen? <clears throat> we're gonna see a coming together or an intersecting, if you will, of different streams and anointings of the Holy Spirit that will release the sound of heaven into the earth. I'm gonna say that one again because we should get a better shout than that. We're gonna see a coming together or an intersecting of different streams and anointings of the Holy Spirit that will release the sound of heaven into the earth. You guys give me a little more volume. I feel like I'm yelling and my voice is already starting to get weak on me. I've been yelling a lot already. The ecclesia will be more effective and have greater influence than ever before. Supernatural strategies and battle plans will emerge from prayer meetings and gatherings. Say yes. How many know we've been experiencing that, not just when we come together, but when Dutch was here and others and, the, and people that are revivalists and pursuing God come together, man, there is a synergy and a power released. Ah, we have to believe that there is a remnant of people across this nation that is partnering together with the Holy Spirit in warfare intercession and worship and legislating and governing and shifting things in government, yes, and in the earth. These meetings will produce power where his presence is mandated and his priority, number one. Understand this, that we are entering into a time of supernatural breakthrough. How many need breakthrough in their life this morning? How many need breakthrough in your families? How many need breakthrough in their finances? Come on. Supernatural breakthrough is upon us. It's here, and we're seeing it in measure, yes, but our, and know this too, church, our intercession is working. Our intercession is working. You know, we've asked God to give us signs that it's working, and God's been giving us signs. And I wanna, I wanna just share this with you. When we were in Birmingham, Pastor Paul and myself and TJ and Jacoby, which by the way, welcome home, you freshly new married couple. <laughs> I forgot what I was saying. I got distracted by the, the lovely couple. What was I saying? Birmingham, thank you. When we were there, you know, we were praying over um, that area, that territory, that region. But I'm telling you, there was something significant. We were standing at the, at the vicinity of that statue, that Vulcan statue. We won't, I won't go into all of that today. But I leaned over to Pastor that night, and I, actually, I think it might have been the next morning, I said, Pastor, wouldn't it be something if within a very short period of time, we see in the news that that statue has fallen off its perch and broken in pieces? I'm asking God for a sign, yes? I'm standing on that, I'm believing that. We need God to show us at times that our intercession is working, amen? We're not just blowing smoke. We're not just spinning our wheels. We are being effective. We are shifting and changing things. Yes, for the kingdom of God. Amen? When we come together and pursue God's manifest presence, as well as every day in our personal lives, we will see the power of God released in greater measure. Anybody want to see the power of God released? Anybody want to see prodigals come running back to the Father? Come on. 
Anybody want to see miracles in your finances? How many have wrecked bodies that need God to intervene now in the name of Jesus? We need the Lord. Power. Someone shout power. We need the heavens to open up. And we need to see God in new ways, new realms of glory. Huh. Be opened up to us. And we need to experience the Lord in such a greater way. We say this around here a lot. Uh, we're going to keep saying it. There is more. There is more. There is more. There are new realms. There is a greater measure of power in the demonstration of his power. Yes, we need to see things move in such a way. Church, I've been raised in church, in Pentecostal churches. My mom and dad are Pentecost. They believe in healing. They believe in deliverance. They believe in all those things. There was a time when I was young, I remember seeing those things take place. And we've seen them here in measure, but can I? Uh, not only do I need to see it, I want to see. I want to see undeniable, crazy miracles. Ho! Oh, oh, ho! That cannot be argued away or mocked away. Ha! In Jesus' name. I need to see cancers fall off. Ha! I need to see, Pastor, legs grow back. Ho! We must continually, continually press for the more of God. Because not only is there more available to His church, but you have to understand that it is God's longing. It is his desire, it is his passion to pour himself out on us in great, great, great ways. Something's been stirring in my spirit for weeks, maybe even a month or two now, that I can't fully describe, and I've tried to in Nanto's class on Thursday. I was trying to describe it, and I really can't. The only thing I can kind of attest to it or, or, or draw a comparison is it's like, it's not just a pregnancy or a birthing, but I feel like we're at a point of deliverance now. It's a point of deliverance of the promises. Watch. The promises of God for the church, yes, but also over each of our lives. It's time for the delivery, yes? I say now is the time. Now is the time for promises fulfilled. Now is the time for answered prayers. Now is the time for your faith to produce results. Now is the time. <sighs> the answers to your prayers, church, the cries of your heart. The answers are coming, I'm telling you. I believe some of us are receiving our answers now, but I, there's a greater measure. There's more. There's more. There's more. There's more. There's more. There's more. I believe there's coming a time when it will be easy answered, not difficult answered, easy answered prayers. In Jesus' name, when we decree and we pray a thing, we will see immediate results. In Jesus' name, there's an acceleration of the kingdom of God in the earth. Stay in the process. <laughs> Called the river. Don't get discouraged and get out. Your answer, this is River Talk, is just around the bend. This right here, I want to say this one line, and I want you to write this down, put it in your phone. This is one of the things that stood out to me this week more than anything else is this statement right here. 
Don't let your hope be deferred. Don't let your hope be deferred. Learn to appreciate and to value the process. So let's take a few minutes this morning and talk about process. We all love to talk about patience and process and long-suffering and hurry up and wait, right? We love that. That's our favorite subject. (laughs) But I got to talk to us this morning about the process. This has been on me for a while. And this week, as it always is, when you begin to prepare, it's a wrestle, it's a fight. There's a working out, there's a hearing from the Lord. Then sometimes you doubt whether you've heard from God. And then somebody gets up, Pastor Kim on Wednesday night, he confirms what you're supposed to be preaching. And then this morning we get up and, and Stacy and Sam, they're just blowing it up. They're confirming this today. The Lord's faithful. Yes, he is. And I'm just decreeing that out of my mouth. And I thank you, Lord, for your confirmations this week. Not that I had to have them, but I thank you for them. Let's talk about the process. Turn with me to Luke chapter one. It's the story of Elizabeth and Zechariah. And I want us to read just a couple of of these this morning because I think it's very powerful and very significant to look at some of the things that people have had to endure in their process to see their promise fulfilled. Luke chapter one, starting at verse five. This is the birth of John the Baptist being foretold. It says, when Herod was king of Judea, there was a Jewish priest named Zechariah. He was a member of the priestly order of Abijah, I think that's how you say it, and his wife, Elizabeth, was also from the priestly line of Aaron. Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes, careful to obey all of the Lord's commandments and regulations. They had no children because Elizabeth was unable, excuse me, unable to conceive, and they were both very old. Everybody in the house who is older-ish say amen. One day, Zechariah was serving God in the temple for his order was on duty that week. As was the custom of the priest, he was chosen by lot to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense. While the incense was being burned, a great crowd stood outside praying. While Zechariah was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him. Thank you for the angels. Standing to the right of the incense altar, Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him. But the angel said, like they say often, Don't be afraid. Zechariah, God has heard your prayer. Your wife, Elizabeth, will give you a son, and you are to name him John. You will have great joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He must never touch wine or other alcoholic drinks. Say amen. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth. And he will turn many Israelites to the Lord their God. He will be a man with the spirit and power of Elijah. (laughs) That's a whole other message. I'll stick to my notes. He will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. He will return the hearts of the fathers to their children 
what was prayed this morning. And he will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. A couple more verses. Zechariah said to the angel, how can I be sure this will happen? I'm an old man now, and my wife is also well along in years. Then the angel said, I am Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God. It was he who sent me to you to bring this good news. But now, since you didn't believe what I said, you will be silent and unable to speak until the child is born. For my words will certainly be fulfilled at the proper time. Verse 23, when Zechariah's week of service in the temple was over, he returned home. Soon afterward, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and went into seclusion for five months. How kind the Lord is, she exclaimed. He has taken away my disgrace of having no children. What a process. Here we have an angel of the Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for the rain. Amen. Amen. Zechariah and Elizabeth had been praying, asking God for children. So you have to understand this passage of Scripture wasn't just something where the Lord just showed up and just dropped a word on them like, oh, hey, by, I know the guys are old and you're living your life, but you're going to have a kid. No, this was an answer to prayer. They had been seeking the Lord and asking God. Here an angel shows up with a promise from the Father. He shows up in their presence and says, hey, I'm here with an answer. You've been crying out to God. You're going to have a son next year. And the response is amazing. Are you sure? How can, we're old. How, how can we have a kid? How can we have a child? I'm going to get ahead of myself, so I won't go there. Just, I'll stick with me for just a minute. There was doubt that rose up in Zechariah. Elizabeth, we, from what we read, didn't doubt. She believed it. But Zechariah was struggling with it. Why? Because of their natural circumstances, what was happening around them, their very lives that they were living, the fact that they were old. Zechariah was doubting the word of God. Here an angel was standing right before him with the promise to the answer of his prayer, and he couldn't believe. He couldn't receive the word. There was a promise being foretold. Now, he hadn't seen the fullness of it yet, but a promise was released, yes? So what happens is this angel says, okay, because of your doubt, because you didn't believe what I said, I'm just going to close your mouth up for a while. He closed his mouth, if you read, for the entire term of that pregnancy. For nine months, Daddy Zachariah couldn't speak. I believe it was because the angel knew that something needed to be protected. There was a promise that had to be guarded. And he knew that nothing negative could come out of the mouth. Oh. So he said, I'll take care of it. I'll just shut the mouth. That way you can't release anything negative over the promise of God. Come on. Church, let me say this to you. You better be careful what you say. Ah! And who you say it to. Be careful what you say. And be careful who you say it to. Maybe an angel is right in your very presence and you don't even know it, yet you begin to doubt and speak negativity. Ah! 
against the answer that God has brought right in front of you? How many know there's a promise? How many have received a promise in your life? You know that God has released a promise over you. For those of you who haven't raised your hands, read your Bible because it's full of promises over you. Let's look at the story of Mary and Joseph for a minute. Let's go to verse 26. I love this. This is so amazing. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, the village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph. Now, let me help you out. There are a lot of Josephs. If you read your Bible, it can get confusing. There's just Joseph and another Joseph, and then we read later about a Joseph, and you're like, wait a minute. How can that be? Because this Joseph couldn't be around in that time. There's a lot of Josephs. This was, this was Joseph that Mary was betrothed to, engaged to, all right? There's a different Joseph we'll talk about here in just a few minutes, but stick with me. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. Now, most likely, the one that had visited Elizabeth and Zechariah was also Gabriel. Doesn't say it was Gabriel, but we know it probably was Gabriel because he's the messenger dude, yes? And usually it's Gabriel that shows up to bring a message from the Lord. So here the same angel, I'm gonna say, who just spoke the promise, released the promise over Elizabeth, is now showing up at Mary's doorstep and saying, hey Mary, guess what? Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor, David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I am a virgin. Now, I wanna draw your eyes to something right here. There's a difference in the response that Zechariah gave and the response that Mary gave. Zechariah's response came from doubt. Mary's response came from a childlike, if you will. She was a child. This was not a grown woman well into her years. She was a kid, a young teenager. So she's asking God, how does this work? Not, I'm doubting, but how is this going to work? Teach me, tell me, what's up? How's this going to happen? The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. Say, amen. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, uh, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For the word of God will never fail. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And the angel left her. Faith was released. Confidence in her God. The word of the Lord was true. A few days later, Mary hurried to the hill country of Judea to, to the town where Zechariah lived. She entered the house and greeted Elizabeth. At the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child leaped within her. 
And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Elizabeth gave a glad cry and exclaimed to Mary, God has blessed you above all women, and your child is blessed. Why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord should visit me? When I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. The promise in me jumped for joy. You are blessed because you believed that the Lord would do what he said. Say amen. What you have to understand about this story here is if you study this, there is so much that goes into this. So much that goes into this. Backing up from early on in, in Mary's life, Mary's father um, was a man, a businessman. Mary and her dad had gone to town one day, and I don't know if mom had been with them, maybe not. I don't know what's going on there, but I know this. Something happened. She's about 12, 13 years old, somewhere in there that we're told that we read. Something happened, and her dad died. They believe that he was killed in one way or another, but either way, she lost her dad while visiting town that day. In comes Uncle Joseph, not betrothed Joseph, Uncle Joseph, brother to her father. This is Joseph, Brother Sazio, help me if I'm wrong, Joseph of Arimathea. Am I correct? Uncle Joseph? Yes. Got it right. Just want to make sure. What you got to understand about this Joseph, Joseph was a man of great influence. This Joseph, Uncle Joseph. He was respected in the community. He was respected in the business area, and he was respected in government in that region. Joseph had an influence. He was a man that had great wealth. We know that later on, we won't go there just yet. Hold on. I'm trying to stick with it here. Uncle Joseph now adopts Mary, brings her into his home. Now Uncle Joseph is now Dad Joseph. What's amazing to me is this. <sighs> she, this angel shows up, brings the word of the Lord, releases a promise over Mary. And I think most of us kind of just disregard or look over, maybe we don't even know yet, what really Mary had to endure in the process of the promise. This was not a wonderful oh, glory moment where the angels were singing over the rest of her term and this time until Jesus was born. No, this was a time, I guarantee you, because of the influence that Joseph had, not Uncle Joseph, Daddy Joseph, the influence that he had and the respect and the, and the, the weight that he carried in that community and in that business area and all of that. I promise you, there was enduring of shame and guilt embarrassment, enduring who knows what that came on Mary. I, prom I guarantee you, I can probably be pretty sure that there was mocking taking place. There was mockery happening. Why? Here's this little girl saying that I have <laughs> the promised Messiah inside of me. There is a promise of God. The deliverer of the world will someday be birthed from me not on my own accord and not on the accord of my husband, but the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit has birthed the promise. 
You know, people around her weren't like, that's wonderful. Wow, we were so excited. They were like, yeah, right. You're crazy. Who do you think you are, little girl? That's pretty prideful. That's pretty arrogant. Can you imagine what was shouted and said to her? A little girl, not a confident, grown woman of God, a child. Then Jesus is born. <laughs> Jesus' life and his ministry and then the cross. There was a promise even in Jesus' life. The Savior would come, but watch, even Jesus had to endure a process. There was a process, and it was a process of time. There was a promise fulfilled, and there was a promise released at his birth. But all along the way, <clears throat> there was a process. But watch me, even during the process of time, promises were being fulfilled all along the way. Church, we get so caught up sometimes in wondering what's happening during the process, not realizing that God is fulfilling promises in your life all along the way. Maybe you have a big, big promise, and God is saying, yes, yes I've promised to this. It's coming. But watch, during the, pro uh, during the process, where is your faith? What do you believe? Do you believe only what you see? Or do you believe your God who what said over you is true? That his word is true. Ha! Ah, and that it will come to pass. Yes? Then we look at the life of King David, which is such a long story. My God in heaven, what a process. A little shepherd boy tending sheep who's out there hanging out with sheep. He's killing lions and bears as a child, by the way. Also not a grown man, a child. No matter how bad and tough any of us guys think we are, ain't none of us killed a lion and a bear with a slingshot and a stick. None of us have grabbed an animal like that by the neck and choked it out and killed it. But David did. Child David did. <laughs> then he's brought in and he's anointed king. After he's anointed king, he shows up at the battlefield to bring lunch to his brothers and ends up killing, <laughs> killing a giant named Goliath who was mocking, oh, you better hear me, and coming against the promise of God. In this process, Saul, we know at one point, loses his mind, goes nuts. David now becomes his soother, <laughs> playing his harp and singing probably, because I guarantee you when he was out in the field playing his harp, he was singing. We know that David was a worshiper. He would begin to worship over Saul and his demons, because yes, he had demons, would, would chill out and shut up, and peace would come to Saul. Then David becomes king, and God promises that there will always be an ancestor of his that will set on the throne. How about the promise of Jesus in Acts? <laughs> Talk about a process. There's a promise. Jesus calls it a promise. He says, the promise of the Father, go and wait. Terry, there's a process, but don't get weary in the process. Hang in there because the promise is coming. Oh, and on the day of Pentecost, the baptism of the Holy Spirit and fire showed up in that place. The promise was released. It was fulfilled. And what you got to understand, guys, 
is they weren't in that upper room just hanging out, shooting the breeze, drinking coffee. No, they were not. They were actively pursuing God. They were actively seeking the promise. Watch. They didn't even fully know what the promise was. All they knew is there was a promise. Some of us get so caught up in the details of what is my promise. Can I help you right now? Who cares what the details of the promise are? If God has released a promise, that promise is yours and it is real and you can claim it and you can walk it in Jesus' name. Somebody say yes. Don't get weary in the process. Church, it's about what you do in the process. That's what matters. You better believe it matters because if you don't, ah, if you don't activate that promise, do you realize you have the ability to stop it? You do. Not the enemy, you. It must be activated. The promise of God in your life. How do we activate it? Couple of things. First John 5, 4 says, for every child of God defeats this evil world. Ah, and we achieve this victory through our faith. Luke 1, 45, we just read it, said you're blessed because you believe that the Lord would do what he said. We activate it by faith. That was a lot of spit because I was making a point. We, a we activate the promise of God by our faith. Do you understand that if you don't put faith on the promise, the promise will never manifest? It requires faith. There's a promise that we'll receive our heavenly language when we're baptized in the Holy Spirit, but it requires you activating your faith to receive the promise. Some get so stuck. <sighs> the baptism of the Holy Spirit is not difficult. Receiving your heavenly language is not a difficult thing. <sighs> but we get stuck in the process because our faith can't fully reach and believe for that promise. We say, I just, I don't feel anything. Yes, you do. You just can't recognize it. It's there. Faith is believing what God says. It's taking God at his word. If God has promised you healing, and he has, because he's promised that to all of us, activate your faith and believe that God is your healer. Luke 1.37, we read it. It says the word of God will never fail. Never fail. Isaiah 55, 8 through 11. Huh. If you're taking notes, write this one down. On your dark, discouraging days, you need to read this out loud. You need to pray this. You need to create and declare it. You need to profess it. You need to believe it. You need to stand on it. I don't think the way you think. The way you work isn't the way I work. For as the sky soars high above the earth, so the way I work surpasses the way you work. And the way I think is beyond the way you think. Just as rain and snow descend from the skies and don't go back until they've watered the earth, doing their work of making things grow and blossom, producing seed for farmers and food for the hungry, so will the words that come out of my mouth not come back empty-handed. They will do the work I sent them to do. They will complete the assignment that I gave them.
The word of God says this, that the promises of God are yes and what? That means yes, let it be so. When God speaks a promise, he's not saying something that would be neat or something suggestive. He is releasing his word and his word will accomplish what he releases it to do. Don't let the process, the time of the process, steal your promise. Keep your faith strong and your hope high. Some promises do happen quickly, but most promises take time. Most promises take time. And can I add this? Miracles often take time. There are instantaneous miracles, yes. But sometimes God chooses to work a miracle through a process of time. God is sovereign, so I can't tell you why he chooses to do that. Only God knows why he does that for the wor- whatever specific people at whatever time. So I can't help you with that. All I know is this, that God is faithful. And when God releases a promise, he will accomplish it. It will come back to him fulfilled. But we have to act on them. How do we act on the promises of God? Pray them. Decree them. Ha, declare them. See them through from conception to completion. Let me say that again. See the promises of God through from conception to completion and then handle them correctly with humility and guard them. Why do I say humility? I'll tell you why. Remember the story of the other Joseph and his brothers in Genesis 37? God releases a tremendous promise over Joseph. Told you there's a lot of Josephs. This is the day of Josephs. Bless you, brother Joseph. God releases this promise to Joseph. Through a dream. And Joseph, in his wisdom, decides to share this dream with his brothers. This dream was about, and it was from God, so don't get it wrong. It was from God. The dream was basically this. At some point, guys, I'm going to be the head man, and you're all going to bow and worship me. (laughs) How many know there wasn't a whole lot of wisdom exercised when Joseph, baby Joseph, the baby brother, released that dream or that promise, if you will, to his brothers. That's why I'll back up. Earlier I said, be careful what you say. Be careful who you say it to. Church, be careful who you share your dreams with. Be careful because some people won't like your dream. Truth or not, they're not gonna like it. The dream that that God gave Joseph was true but he didn't exercise wisdom or humility when he shared the dream. And because of it, his brothers ended up hating him for it. So much so that they had this brilliant idea. How are we gonna deal with this little punk brother who thinks he's all that, who's telling us that he's gonna rule over us and we're all gonna bow? I know what we'll do. Let's throw him in that pit. When we go out to, let's just throw him in the pit. And then maybe we can sell him. So guess what happens? They throw him in the pit. Can you imagine what kind of hatred they had 
to throw their little baby brother into a pit that he couldn't get out of and then to sell him off into slavery. They sell him and he ends up in Potiphar's house as a servant or a slave. Then he gets accused of rape, which by the way, it was an accusation coming from Potiphar's Jezebelic wife who's trying to seduce and take away. I'm not even going to go there. And then Joseph ends up in prison. From prison, he ends up in Pharaoh's house as a servant. Now stick with me. There's details. I'll get to them, but hang with me for a second. There was a promise and a dream, but there was a process that God needed to take Joseph through. Even after he mishandled the promise and he got sold into slavery, God turns Joseph's situation into a training ground for the promise to be fulfilled. God knew from the beginning that Joseph being the youngest, if you don't understand customs in that time and culture, being the youngest of those brothers, he wouldn't have learned some key things that he needed to learn in order for the promise in his life to be fulfilled that he would correctly be able to handle the promise. So I want you to see the process real quick, and we're almost done, but just stay with me. Almost, kind of, almost, somewhat. Watch the process. He gets sold into Potiphar's house where he begins to learn management skills. Then he goes to prison and begins to implement those managing, management skills and he becomes the manager of the prison. As a result of that management, God moves him to Pharaoh's house. He finds favor. Pharaoh has a dream. Remember the crazy dream Pharaoh had? This thing was eating that thing, and those things were eating this. Pharaoh's kind of like freaking out, like, what do I do? This is a crazy dream. And he seeks the mediums and the psychics or whatever he has on staff, and nobody can interpret his dream for him. But there's, they remember that there was this guy in prison named Joseph that could interpret dreams. So they go, they bring Joseph in, which on a side note, I'm pretty sure by this time, this had been a number of years, because of the process that Joseph was walking through, I think he may have figured out how to handle some promises and what to do with those promises. So he interprets Pharaoh's dream. And as he is interpreting the dream, this is now begins to unlock the dream of Joseph's life that he had early on. The Lord was moving him from the pit, the place of despair and no hope, to the place of prison. <laughs> Captive, held back to the place of the palace where authority, oh my God, where authority and yes, influence and power were released over Joseph's life. Joseph is now put in charge over all of Egypt, second only to Pharaoh himself, and ends up saving the nation. Sometimes, church, the process is about God arranging and moving, adjusting things in your life and your surroundings and your circumstances. And yes, there are lessons to be learned, and we grow in maturity and wisdom. 
It builds our faith and our confidence in God as our source, not man or the things of this natural world. It's the process of God. Look what God had to do in Joseph's life to fulfill his promise to him. A major move was needed, and in his case, to another country, another nation. I'll get to that in just a second. Mm. Some of you have made the move here, and I'm going to speak to you in just a minute. Joseph needed to learn management accounting, and he needed to learn stewardship. People had to be moved in and out of Joseph's life in order to posture Joseph in a place to receive the promise. God had to establish the right Pharaoh for the right time. And then that Pharaoh had to receive a foreign slave from another nation into his household or onto his staff. Now, if you know anything about culture, especially Egypt culture, that didn't happen. Pharaoh had to change the way he functioned and even the way government and the political system functioned in Egypt. Watch what God is doing. Remember when Joseph interpreted the dream? You remember what he said? There'll be seven years of famine, seven years of plenty, or seven years of plenty, then seven years of famine? Yeah, so do you understand and realize that in order for the promise in Joseph's life to be fulfilled, he even had to shift the weather patterns? If you study weather at all, you know this that you can't just shift one weather pattern in one system or one area. It has to be shifted across the board, across the nation, the known world at that time. Look what God did to shift and move and position Joseph to receive the promise. Some of us are so concerned, and please, I'm not belittling anyone's situation, but hear the word this morning. We're so concerned about how God is gonna give us the job he promised or how he's gonna give us a home. I'm speaking to people, I know that. Or how he's going to heal my jacked up body. Or when is my calling gonna to come to pass? When am I gonna be called on to do this or do that? Etc. 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 Can we lift our eyes oh, just a little bit higher, fresh start, and let our faith grow just a little bit bigger to believe that if God can rearrange the weather system for Joseph, he can move heaven and earth to see the dreams of your house and the dreams of this house manifest in their fullness. All of us have dreams. We all have promises on the inside of us that God has placed there. Pastor Paul, I know you're watching. I want to speak to you this morning. There was a promise made over you years and years and years ago. A promise released over you that you would walk like a king in this city and region. Come on, stand to your feet. Help me this morning. The word didn't say that you would limp, that you would roll in a wheelchair, that you would walk on crutches, that you would even have a prosthetic. It said you would walk, oh! You would walk in this city like a king. I decree and I declare over you the promise of God. Pastor Paul, I decree and I declare over you that you are healed and whole in the name of Jesus, that yes, your leg is coming, your promise is coming. Oh, you will not limp, you will walk in this city like a king.
Come on, shout! Sit down. I see it, Pastor. I'm not just believing it. I see it. I see it. It's coming. Yes. Let me encourage you in this. Don't get so caught up in your own dreams that you neglect the dream of God. When God releases a dream over you, do you realize it's his dream for you? It's not your dream, it's his. <laughs> we get so self-focused sometimes, church. It's all about my promise and my this and it's my calling and it's my this and my that. Can we just shift our focus a little bit from that and focus on the promise of God? I'm talking about the promise of God over his house, over his kingdom. Can we make his dream number one priority? Here's what I believe happens. When we make the dream of God our number one priority, God will make sure your dreams are fulfilled. We get so selfish in the body of Christ, so self-focused. And whether we mean to or not, we make it about us. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about the promise of God. Oh, there are so many promises of God. I'm talking about revival. I'm talking about an awakening, a move of God. Oh, not just in this city, but a region and across this nation that would shake and shift the people. I say now is the time. This is the era of time when all the dreams and promises of God are coming together, intersecting to release faith for the great end time harvest, for the greatest revival and awakening the world has ever seen. Now is the time to, pros to press, excuse me, in for greater realms and measures of glory. Oh, to be opened up to us. Now is the time to press in and contend at a greater level to see and, ex and experience God's manifest presence, his demonstrations of his power, signs and wonders and miracles. Come on, we need signs in the earth. We need wonders that would cause doctors and all these smart people to ponder and wonder, what, what, how? We need wonders. Now is the time. I wanna quote from Pastor or Apostle Tim's book. He says this. When we stand in faith for God's word to come to pass, though it may take some time, and it usually does, the Holy Spirit will lead the ecclesia to a moment where he can release angels to assist in completing them. He will release favor, power, and strategies. He will supernaturally orchestrate their moment. Now is the time. Now is the time to hunger for and expect crazy Crazy supernatural. Doubt and unbelief, church, are the enemy to our faith. They will steal away and they will kill our dreams and our promises. Remember Nicodemus? 
Jesus is having this conversation with Nicodemus, trying to teach him. Nicodemus was not a dummy. He was smart. He was sharp. And he, he was all about the kingdom and the scriptures. But he was so all about the kingdom and the scriptures, he couldn't even see the Messiah right in front of him. Jesus is trying to teach him about being born again. And Nicodemus is doubting. He's like, wait a minute. How can a man go back into the womb and be born again? That doesn't make any sense. And Jesus is trying to teach him about the spirit realm, to teach him and, and help him to look past the natural into what God is doing behind the natural, but he can't. <laughs> and Jesus answers him like this. He says, I speak in eternal truth. Unless you're born of water, which right here, this means the water that cleanses us and gives us life, and the spirit wind, you will never enter God's kingdom realm. So here Nicodemus, whose life is about the kingdom, is not even going to enter the kingdom unless he understands this. It's what Jesus is trying to convey and get across to him. Do you realize the last days and, and months and weeks of Jesus' life, the very thing Jesus was trying to press and release was that the Spirit of God must be in us and must lead us. We must be born again of the Spirit. So you can see why Nicodemus got confused. He was taking it at face value. Remember Zechariah? He was dealing with the same thing here. Doubt. Couldn't see past what was right in front of them. Couldn't see past their natural eye. Living led by the Spirit and by faith, not by sight. This is truly walking by faith and not by sight. Letting the Spirit of God lead us. This is the, sp this is the time. I'm gonna say it like that. Why don't you stand with me this morning? Worship team, you can come. The story of Zechariah, this part kind of blows my mind a little bit. So I wanna take us back there for just a minute. When the angel releases this promise over him and he doubts, the angel responds to him like this. And these are my words, my version of it. He didn't do it disrespectfully or pridefully because we know that God would have swatted him for that. So he didn't do that, but he basically responds to him like this. Do you realize who you're talking to? Who are you to doubt me? I am the angel that stands in the very presence of God, awaiting his orders. God himself sent a promise with me to give to you. Yet you doubt my words? You've been asking for this child. I'm bringing you the promise, yet you doubt. And he knew to protect the promise that he had to silence the doubt. Church, once again, be careful what you say over the promises of God. Be careful. But I do believe this, that it was also for Zachariah's benefit. Because how many know in nine months of not being able to talk, you better believe he was doing some repenting. He was allowing God to shift and change some things in his life, his mentality, his thought process. And I believe during that time, God was teaching him some things and showing him some things. All so that when the promise was fulfilled, Joseph, this Zechariah, excuse me, could handle this promise. He could handle it with humility. He could handle it right. 
I'm going to end with this this morning. This is about the glorious, I'm talking about the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. This is about the glorious reality of God dwelling in us. We are called to actively access the life that has been given to us. Because of the cross and because of the blood of Jesus that was shed for you and I, we can receive Jesus into our hearts and we could be born again into his kingdom, born again into the spirit. Thank you for listening in to the Fresh Start Church podcast, where we exist to influence a nation with revival. You can order Pastor Kim's book, Doorkeepers of Revival, at doorkeepersofrevival.com. And you can listen to Fresh Start Revival Worship on Apple Music, Spotify, or wherever you stream your music. Thank you for tuning in. We'll see you next time.